Welcome to release. We're in the year 1926, and we have two films. First film is Flesh and the Devil, which was released in December uh, 1926 on Christmas Day, and that's an American film. And we also have a Japanese film called A Page of Madness, which was released in September on September 26, 1926, and then was lost until the 70s. But we'll get into all that later. Yeah. First, I did want to talk a little bit about 1926. Okay. Tell me about 1926. So most of the history that I have is from America, but it does sort of like contextualize where we're at. In 1926, Warner Brothers debuts this film called Don Juan. It is the first Vitaphone sound film that was developed by Bell Labs. So it's like our first publicly shown talkie. So it has synchronized sound effects and orchestral music. It doesn't have dialogue, but it is considered like the first talkie. And it's presented on the public stage. So the possibility is sort of shown to the public. And that's starring John Barrymore. We know Warner Brothers, we've talked about this before, that they were bracing towards this development of the talking picture. Some people were super scared of it, but they were like sort of on the front line for that. Also in this year, we see the first full length color film. It is Technicolor. It's called The Black Pirate, and it stars Douglas Fairbanks, who was like, you know, heartthrob of the silent film era. It's a silent film, but in Technicolor. Yeah, he's like the... um probably like your most standardly referenced heartthrob guy of that era i would say sure yep agreed those are like the big technical technological advances that we see in this year but then here's some other like little tidbits so alfred hitchcock um, who was working as a title designer set designer writer and assistant director released his first completed and credited feature film in the u.s it's a silent film called The Pleasure Garden. So, like, he sort of enters the stage in American cinema in 1926. And so does John Wayne. He appears in his first film. Great. And, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have to talk about a John Wayne film. It will take us a minute to get there. I think he was, like, a very bit part, if not basically an extra. Yeah. But here he is making it uh, in Hollywood. We're firmly in Hollywood now. Movies are made in Hollywood. Right. Not in Chicago, not in New York. Though they often are, like, the premieres are still happening in New York. The first uh, sound film that was shown in New York. Right. So that's still, like, premiere city. Yeah. And that's because of Al Jolson, who was, like, Broadway star. Yeah, it's like a show town. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. I'll do some research on that when we get into that world. Cool. When we like we're we're creeping up on it for sure. Also, this year, New York City is the spot of Rudolph Valentino's funeral when he dries, dies tragically of a ruptured appendix. He was like silent. We talked about Douglas Fairbanks being like the hunk of Hollywood silent screen or whatever. Rudolph Valentino was the Latin lover. He was like super heartthrob dude, and he creates this like his funeral creates a massive frenzy. A hundred thousand fans show up oh my god losing their shit pretty wild man Um, i mean uh, that's pretty that's a pretty early on obsession with film stars yeah it's like all these fan magazines were definitely happening but when we think of like the head of hoppers of 
Hollywood. I think about that as like later, though I guess like it had started at this point that there was like absolute frenzy over your favorite film star. Yeah, I guess it was probably because it was such a new thing. Not as much as not as much exposure now. I mean, sorry, then. Now we know yeah. like what Tracy Ellis Ross had for breakfast. For sure. Oh, it's <laughs> like all so different. But well, that's we talked about this with silent films before, where like when they started talking, it's like you couldn't project all your bullshit onto them anymore. These really could be perfect figures because their personal lives were so like presented in this perfect package if they were on like the right side of things at the studio. And they could be they were completely idealized. Right. Now it's like, you know, warts and all is like how we see our celebrities. That's like how we prefer it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle. I mean, not me. I mean, like collectively, obviously, like celebrities are getting the memo that they have to show right. everything right. to be relatable. And I do find like with like the in the Instagram era, there's that dude. I watched Bridgerton and the, like the hot guy, John. What's his name? I have no idea. The hot there's a super hot guy on there, and he has this Instagram page that looks like a fan account. It's like so goofball. Uh-huh. It's like all just like perfect photos with weird captions. And I was like, oh, this is like very unappealing. Yeah. I don't follow a lot of celebrities. But that's how everyone was presented. I don't like to look at I them. almost, as a rule, do not follow them. Yeah. There's but a I couple. Will check it. Handful. I prefer a minor celebrity. Yeah. I follow Madonna. Like a. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, yeah. musicians that are, like, you know... Yeah, I prefer, like, a 20,000 followers yeah. uh, type celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> Madonna and I'm her, like, gonna... chicken cutlet face. I mean, I would definitely check in. I'm sure I've, like, looked at Madonna's profile a bunch of times. Sure. Or, like, I'll look at Kim Kardashian's profile, but I'm not going to follow. Oh, I forgot about her. Cool. I know. I forget about her lately, too. I'm like, there's something weird happening there. Like, yeah. things are shifting. There is something shifting. I think people care less. Yeah. It's because they're... So speak... I think, honestly, I think it is an effect of normalizing their lives. There's nothing mysterious about them if they're showing us all of these, like, regular-ass day-to-day things that we all do as well. Yeah. I feel like that's why I don't care to follow them. You know, I want there to be like some sort of mystique. I don't want to go into a frenzy when one of them dies. You know, they're not untouchable anymore because they're so accessible. So they just they just become like another person with more money. Yeah. I like when they make a big show of it. That's why I do find like the Kardashians kind of fascinating because it's like they're doing full blown photo shoots like every day of their lives. Right. To look like Oh god, that sounds exhausting. Unreal. It does. But you have to do you have to like mix the the hyper reality with the reality. Right. For it to work, which is like so time consuming. You can't just like get a publicist that's gonna put out fake stories about you and your on screen love being like a real thing. Yeah. Which we'll get into because we have that with our movie. Oh yeah, that's right. So what are we going to start with? But first, I did want... Oh, sorry. Go on. Okay. But I'm going to get a couple more news things. So like This year also, speaking of like celebrities, that like tabloid celebrities. So Clara Bow, who was like notorious. I don't follow her. She didn't make it. You don't follow her. (laughs) (laughs) She does not make the leap to talking picture. But this year, she signs a contract with Paramount 
but she won't resign. She won't sign the morality clause. Oh, because she's not moral. But this is like yeah. predating the Hayes Code, which is about to come into effect. Like where right. they thought they could police themselves. Right. So she was instead. Paramount's like, fine. We'll give you a half a million dollar annual bonus if you keep yourself free of scandal. And um, she failed to receive the bonus. She had, like, numerous highly publicized affairs and scandals. Yeah, I mean... Basically every year of her career. Yeah. But then also it's like, that could just be a setup, too. Not necessarily a setup, but, you know, tabloids. Ooh, like to make her look scandalous so that she was, like, appealing. Yeah, like, who was fact-checking anything, you know? It's like, I'm sure any magazine could have said anything they wanted to about her. I'm not defending her one way or the other. I'm just sort of stating something that even still happens today. For it's sure. Like people make shit up all the time. She could have been on the wrong side of whomever. I think she's cool. She doesn't last long after this anyway, but I think that's more like right. because of the talking of it all, not so much the scandals of it right. all. Right, right. So I don't know. Well, I do like that she was like, well, I'm going to fail, you know. Yeah, she's like, you're not going to fire me for, like, not being moral. And then they were like, fine, we'll just, like, incentivize you to well, be Well, yeah, I mean, like, also... Yeah, I can't do that either. Yeah, I mean, who the fuck were they to talk about morality? No one had anything to say. Like, it's just <laughs> baffling. Yeah. Like, no one was ever acting right. Like, no. who is squeaky clean in Hollywood? No one ever. No one. Absolutely not. And so I think we should start with Flesh and the Devil because my last news okay. item from 1926 is about Flesh and the Devil. Yeah. Because let's get it on with the devil, um, and then later we'll go mad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. These movies are both so good. Yeah. I love these movies. I feel like we always um, have really great movies. We do. That's one thing that we always have. Yeah. I want a real shit can movie eventually. I want us to just be so disgusted. I I want us to just hate it. We'll get get there. Funny. (laughs) We'll do some goofball shit later. It's just like, it's not, yeah, we're not there yet. But we are like a bit high low this time. I mean, I think Flesh and the Devil is like a really well-made movie and they're doing some cool shit with visuals. Yeah. But like a page of Madness. The page of Madness is like definitely like an art film. Like we're going art house. Right. At the end of this episode. And it's like, so it's a totally different beast. Yeah, but, I love it. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's yeah. great. So Flesh and the Devil is the start of a very famous romance in real life of Greta Garbo and John Gilbert. So they were like on-screen loves, off-screen loves, which we talked about a little bit before because I had a cool story about John Gilbert and thinking that he was going to marry Greta Garbo and then like punching Mayer in the face. Oh, um, right. The head of MGM. But this is where it all starts for real. It's Garbo's third American silent movie. And it's like the first of seven films she'll make with director Clarence Brown. Uh huh. The film has three extended love scenes, which we'll talk about. And it was reportedly the first Hollywood film with an open mouth French kiss. I feel like that and also was like uh, probably not directed. Oh my god, it did not feel directed. No, their kissing uh-uh. felt hot. Hot. Like they couldn't not. Yeah. Like they couldn't not do it. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, it's also the first ever horizontal position kiss Ooh. in American film. Well, which is crazy to think about because until like what the fifties on television, you couldn't be seen in like the same bed. So it's like this is pretty horned up. Yeah. Um, I face tuned myself onto Greta Garbo so I would see what I would look like kissing John Gilbert. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I've never used any sort of face app. <laughs> 
Maybe one day. Oh my god. <laughs> they were hot. Yes. Um, I am currently like essentially celibate, so I like felt things um uh-huh. <laughs> there. But uh passion. So it's it's very passionate and it's the first of four films they'll make together. Somehow this film doesn't crack the top ten highest grossing films of nineteen twenty six, but like it set lots of folks on fire, like their loins. Oh yeah. Probably mostly. Yeah. But Yeah, um, like one critic stated that it was pretty much like the hottest thing that's ever happened on celluloid. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's up there for sure. It's got it's got it's a like, lot of it's got a lot of weird little things happening too. Lots of stuff that I mm-hmm. thought about while I, the narrative was playing out between, sure. yeah, between, yeah, it, it, you know, it is just another one of these things where it's like we're a hundred years away from this thing and we have no idea what social norms were like, but that friendship between those two men was very homoerotic. I know. I have that in my notes. It was But let me first tell you just about Clarence Brown and then we'll get to the Okay. The plot. Okay. I have just a few more things that I'm excited about. Let's hear about Clarence Tope. I mean Brown. So uh so Clarence Brown directed this movie. He was he owned a car dealership before he um, observed a French director, Maurice Tournay, making a film in New Jersey and he like sold his car dealership and spent the next several years working with him as his assistant director and editor. And then by 1926, he's at MGM. This is his first film with MGM. By the end of his career, he'll have like six Academy Awards. He's like one of the most successful directors of the golden age of Hollywood. He made like 30 talking pictures after this. Lots of them are like very elaborate costume dramas. Garbo loved working with Clarence Brown, and so she would make seven films with him, but she also, the cinematographer from this movie is William Daniels, and she especially loved him. I think he's like, she would insist on him for most of her films. Right. And I can see why, like, she's ravishing in this, and like, she's not, this is her third film, a third American film, so it's like, she feels like a pro, but she's definitely just getting started. I felt like every scene that she was in or was like especially in the beginning it was sort of like she was just sort of like fuck you i'm wearing this yeah it just looked amazing just like it's like she like the the camera lands on her and she like looks and is just kind of like fuck you this is what i look like eat it oh my god and what she looks like she has those eyes that are just like i don't know how those eyes can like say so much they're like dripping with emotion yeah a glare can look like like a come hither. It's just like yeah. what is happening. I mean, it, it's yeah. I mean, it's not any sort of surprise that she would be insistent on using this cinematographer over and over. Yeah, he like really got it, and I like how I've seen the movie Grand Hotel with Joan Crawford. I think it's like one of Joan Crawford's first movies, and Greta Garbo's in it, and. She like is flailing around and I was like, oh, this is like very her being like the silent film star crossing over like she's still doing all of that. But it's like now that we've been watching silent movies, I'm like, no, that's like her thing. (laughs) Like, yes, they're all (laughs) very like bodily expressive, but Mm -hmm. she's like she like tosses herself around and she's wearing all this built all these billowy clothes. Amazing. Late 20s, like clothing. Yeah. And diaphanous and like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just it's like, ugh, 
those women all just must have like lived with whiplash the way they flailed themselves oh my God. and the way like men would shake them whether it was like yes. a, a romantic gesture or if they were trying to like make them snap out of something <laughs> it's just like oh my I God. shake you because i love you <laughs> don't shake the lady well, we end up with like some real violence in this movie there's oh a, yeah it's like quietly violent but that was like woof. Oh, oh yeah and it's very like you know not cool bro not cool no should I start with the plot? Should I talk? Yeah, the sure. Because it's yeah. not that complicated. No, not at all. Um, Neither of these films' plots are that so, complicated. No. So I said we open with sleepy David Bowie slash Ralph Fiennes. Okay. Did he look like that to you? I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, he kind of looks like David Bowie, but then it's like yeah. he looks like that Ralph Fiennes dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But his name is Ulrich. Uh-huh. And then we get a parade of dachshunds, which I really enjoy. Oh, They're yeah, like, that's right. Okay, <laughs> there's a lot of dogs in this movie i'm like it seems unnecessary to like wrangle dogs for a film just like for a cute moment but i guess like so they're in the military so i guess it's like in the german military dachshunds in the german military yeah, yeah they needed to okay. <laughs> that's where the doxin the doxins came in you know it was sort of like and we're in germany by the way you can tell by the dogs we're using mm-hmm. yeah yeah, why did we need to be in Germany? But there we are. Yeah. Um, and he, so Ulrich is covering up for his boy, John Gilbert's character. Who's oh, right. Leo. Sure. Uh-huh. His character is Leo. We're at the top like of the missing. morning. You know, everybody's yeah. getting out of bed. Leo is nowhere to be found. No, he's a bad boy. Party boy. Um, Total party boy. And then I said a real... Then a real dude on dude love fest ensues, which I think is what you're talking about. Yeah. Which it's like these tight embraces and this rough housing that is like very, to me, reads as sexual. Yeah. But that's what sort of what I'm talking about. It's like, is that what male affection was like in the 1920s? It had to have been, you know, I don't think that they were playing this for any sort of like homosexual undertones no and it's like it seems very lovely but it's like it's weird if that's what male friendship was like the freedom of that yeah is like counterintuitive to me thinking that everything's like retrograde right in the 20s i like it yeah i like it too i did say like is this like how they were conveying closeness on screen before synchronized sound but it's like it's so over the top that i can't imagine that that's what's going on right well, I mean, I we'll get to it later, but there's some more, like, mother-on-son action, too. I know! They're always, like, <laughs> kissing their moms that? on the mouth in such an yeah. aggressive way. Yeah, but, like, like hard smooch prolonged. Sorry, let I me know. rephrase that. Hard prolonged smooch. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, was everyone just, like, way more comfortable? When did we get all stuffy? Like, in the 50s? Like, post-war? Yeah, well, people were just like, with the Hayes Code. In movies, but it's, like, in life. Like, I would never kiss my mother on the mouth. No. I mean... That's not, like, a American cultural thing. I don't know. I think that... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's too much to unpack. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Either. I mean, but, I'm trying to, um, like, not put, like, the last three bricks of a wall up in front of myself emotionally. So, you know, wrong person to ask. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm single. blocked anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, same. So, but they get caught. So, like, they get away with, like, him covering up for his friend. But then they get caught and they get arrested. 
Um, oh, right. They get in trouble. And they got to shovel some they shit. They get in trouble a lot, yeah. Yeah, and John Gilbert is like shoveling shit in this and in the big parade. It's just like sort of a I know, he's theme. kind of the same dude, huh? A little bit. Um, he's got a mustache in this one. Yeah, he's a little bit of like a scamp, yeah. you know? Yeah. Always romantic right. scamp. But then eventually they do get to go back home, and this is where Gilbert and Garbo meet. So her character is in the train station. He surmises that she's there for the ball that they're all going to. Mm-hmm. Her name is Felicity. How do you say this name? Felicity. Felicitas. Felicita? Felicitas. Felicitas? That's what I was calling her. Felicitas. Yeah, I don't, it's some German shit. So Felicitas is at the train station and he like takes a little like flower from her bouquet yeah and he's like totally like awestruck like right he's He's like i'm gonna give you your own flower how about that yeah (laughs) and he has she are like she already has those like languid bedroom eyes on like fucking out the gate right like bonkers and then we do get a flashback so we get a flashback to um Oh, right. The Isle of Friendship. Yeah. So, like, they introduce us to, like, this place that's going to become important, which is Mm -hmm. the Isle of Friendship, where they go, when they were kids, they would go and they take, like, this blood oath. Right. What do they call that? I know I did that as a kid as well. Like, where you, like, prick your finger, your friend pricks their finger, and then you, like, mush your blood. Blood brothers. Yeah. Type bullshit. Yeah. And the two boys, Leo and Ulrich, are there, and so is Ulrich's sister, and... Now we know about the Isle of Friendship. Uh-huh. Uh, and little sister also is introduced as to seem to have a thing for Leo. For sure. And at first I thought he had a thing for her too. And he was being kind of like inappropriate. But he doesn't seem that into her actually. No, because I mean, she's also like a little sister to him. Right. Yeah. yeah he keeps like asking like, how old are you now? And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And she's like, she's old 16, enough. Yeah. <laughs> yes but then we get to the ball so yeah and this is where it gets mad horny yeah because felicitas is there in her like drapey tool dress uh-huh um, and her she looks her, incredible her, her, her fuck you i'm wearing this dress yep i mean she's for sure. yeah i mean she's obviously the most glamorous thing that's happening in any room oh my god beyond and they have this passionate dance, and then they're, like, out in, like, a garden, and it's yeah the hottest little they, scene they, ever. They leave the room, and three gossipy women start, you know, they all lean in and start gossiping. Oh. Yeah. I missed that. But there is a shot, I'm trying to remember, like, the details of this, but, like, in the doorway, oh, no, this is later, I'm sorry. Never mind. I don't know what I was going to say about that. Besides that it's, like, very hot, and I have a million screenshots of... Yeah, um, just yeah. The whole that know. whole that whole thing was like that was a different level as far as like the romance that we've seen in other silent films. Which I have to say, like these romances are getting a little <laughs> boring to me. It's yeah. just a- every single every single one has a romance um, that sort of plays out in the same way. But the way that this sort of first interaction happens is much more original. And feels much less like that I'm going to shake you around because I'm in love with you kind of thing. It's much more realistic. It's like he lights, he's trying to light his cigarette and that whole little lighting scenario is great. You know, she blows out the match and, you know, they go for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it feels very intimate. And yeah, I'm like super wondering passionate. how much Yeah, how much of that is like Clarence Brown's directing and how much of it is just like them being themselves. Well, um, also the producer it feels fun. Of the art well, he was the VP of production at Warner Brothers. He had very specific ideas about what could and couldn't be seen on screen and later actually went on to help form the Hayes Code and mm. One of the ways that they sort of got around some of the making it too passionate was just like by the elliptical editing, you know, where it's like it can be used in two ways where it like is sort of used to sort of like cut to a different moment in which what you didn't see is implied or it can be used to sort of just cut out the dull moments. Like Alfred Hitchcock said, um... Uh, what is drama but life with the dull bits cut out? You know, like we don't oh, need yeah. if if a doorbell rings, we don't need to see the person like set down their coffee, get up from the kitchen table, walk all <laughs> the way to the door and open it. You know, you can just cut to that person opening the door. So that is like sort of the idea of like elliptical editing. And in this instance, it's like we cut from them kissing at this ball and then we go into that really amazingly composed shot on the Chase Lounge. Oh my God. Which is like the most, probably one of my favorite compositions. Definitely one of my favorite, like cinematographic. Is that the word? Is that a word? It's a word now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cinemagraphic. Photographed. It's my, it's, it, it is my favorite composition in, in any of the movies that we've watched so far how he has it's like the dude standing in front of the doorway clenching his fist that moment no where they're just on that chaise lounge and she's on the lounge and he's laying on her and there's just this very zigzag pattern that just has so much movement to it even though they're just laying there it's just a photograph you know what i mean it's just like a photograph that is like moving and telling a story yeah, they both are, like, very present, like, in their bodies. I can, like, feel them as actors. Like, like she has this amazing face. He has this amazing face. But, like, they're very, like, aware of their body. Yeah. Um, they're not stiff at all. But they're also, like, in real life, like, totally into each other. I'm sure that helps. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, like, the level of comfort that they have with each other's bodies probably has mm, them they'd be fucking uh, w- yeah which makes which has them aware of their own bodies but then also aware of the other person's body well then i would like to know because they so they're meeting on this film they're like this is where the affair their affair begins like yeah. which scenes are pre-fucking and which scenes are post-fucking it's like which scenes are like yeah well you're you know obsessed but you haven't consummated and which scenes are like i know what that looks like yeah. under there that's the elliptical Babe. editing of life we'll never know yeah we'll never get Ugh. those scenes i mean they're horny from start to finish whatever is going on is working yeah but in our story, it's not because it is not she's because married. <laughs> she is married. She is married, and now they have to duel. They have to duel, which I was just like, "That's what you do." What is what? Come on! It is literally That's like crazy. Uh, you know, this is gonna this is gonna be you know maybe a heavy statement, but it's like he had a bad day, mm-hmm. so he got out his gun. 
it's like nope that's not how you solve things that's that you know like mm. uh, apparently that's how it happened then though you know like we're in a fight let's shoot at each other yeah i mean in the story leo tells his buddy Ulrich that they fought over like a game of cards or something. And it's yeah. like, even the real reason is not a good enough reason, but that is certainly not a good enough reason. Yeah. It's even less of a, um, yeah, it's even less of a good reason. It's like, he beat me at Monopoly. <laughs> he Can took you Boardwalk. It's like, I mean, I'm not that scared to die, but I don't think I'm showing up to a duel over a girl. Yeah, fuck that. No like, matter how hot. What if you just like, what if you just had like uh like a whack-a-mole thing you know where like the person who got hit in the head the most with a soft hammer is the <laughs> loser why why do you have to I mean, like, why do you got to kill someone over it dishonor sure Death before dishonor i guess but the duel scene is fantastic oh like, yeah the backlit you Silhouette. don't see anyone get shot no Amazing. It's all silhouetted, and uh, it looks. Give, it was uh, gave me old puppet tree vibes. Ooh, yeah. That's what I thought of. But then I also thought of um, Night of the Hunter, which like employs a oh, lot okay. of silhouetted stuff, and Kara Walker. I like it. It's like got Kara Walker vibes too. She's a she's a visual artist. She makes lots of silhouetted cutout yeah. stuff. Just really also another just sort of amazingly photographed moment in this movie. Yeah. This cinematographer is a killer. Did yeah. I say his name? William yeah. Daniels. Yeah, William Daniels. You did say it. I would definitely be curious to see Yeah. more of his films. Yeah. Um, he is a killer. He and his uh, stepfather dueled over the last crouton. <laughs> Shot him. Killed him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, that ended his film career. Yeah. A duel. Uh-huh. It's crazy. <laughs> and then the way we find out that, like, who died is that we cut to Garbo, Felicitas. Felicitas? Felicitas. As, like, the most ravishing widow, sort of, like... Totally. Arranging her veil. Uh-huh. And... I got this impression. I feel like they were seeding this information to us that, like, she's a sociopath. Well, right? yes. I mean, because, okay. let, wait, let us not forget that, like, the th well, there's a through line in this movie that is carried out by a pastor who is. Oh, right. The, I was going to mention him next. Uh, he's guiding Leo throughout the narrative about. Oh, a drunk pastor who is basically yeah, like... kind of uh, following him around. Really. Yeah, like, leave me alone. I'll shoot you. Stalking him. Um, <laughs> but like... Yeah, why isn't he yeah, scared just, of Leo? We're never scared of him. No. Even though he's like a murderer. Well, because obviously that was just par for the course. Yeah, it's sanctioned. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, everybody does it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he's just... He has a whole big speech about... Well, we'll get to it. There's a lot of moralizing, yeah, that's... moralizing happening, in the direction of demoralizing, felicitous. So yes, there is a thing in which she is set up yeah. to be considered the devil of the totally. title. Totally, and I think yeah. it begins. Yeah, 
Yeah, which that line, we'll get to it. It comes from the pastor, and I think it's great. But yeah, I feel like we get it here first, and I think we get it without someone having to like say in a title card, like, this piece of shit. You know, like, before this, we, we have nuance here, because it's like, before this, we think these are two lovers overcome. But then when we see her kind of enjoying the veil in this way, we're like, oh, she's crazy. Or like, not crazy. She right. is a sociopath. Uh, right. Like well, she yeah, doesn't, yeah. she's not mourning. She is sort of reveling in the, like, bearing out of her yeah, will. Dis- and also, like, sort of, like, the display of it. You know, like, oh, people know. You know, she's got that, yeah. that servant of hers and she's trying on different hats and sort of yeah pshawing on yeah. some of them and you know what i mean she's like nope that's not that's not fuck you i'm wearing this enough yeah it's uh i guess it's like a trope too of like beautiful women being like obsessed only with like appearances is like definitely being right and yeah here. yeah immoral women yes Yes, loose morals. Yeah, she's not pious. No. But so, like, here, like, then Leo gets sent off to North Africa, and he tells his homie Ulrich to check in on the widow Felicitas. Yes. Um, and then we get a scene of them where he's, like, clearly also overcome by her beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and that scene's weird because it's raining outside, and, like, their bodies are, like, reflecting... Was it just like the copy of the movie that I saw or like it's like they had like watery reflections on like their skin? It was like a strange effect. Oh, I'm I think that that was on purpose. I think that that was Yeah. Yeah, I think that that was certainly, you know, it was like the shadow. I think. Right? Sort yeah. of like the shadow of like water dripping down the window. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and yeah. you could like, see, yeah, you could see it on them. And I was like, "There's a lot of weather in this movie, and a lot of dogs. Um, there's like a lot of details." Yeah, she has like a little rose pinned to her collar here, and I'm like, "Oh, is that like the rose from the train station, or like mm-hmm. mimicking that?" And then she has like this cute cigarette holder that's like a little bird that dips its little beak down and grabs the cigarette, which I was like, "I want that." Oh damn, I didn't even notice that. It was very cute. There's like. Lots of good details in this movie. Yeah. So then we get to like three years later when Leo gets to come back home. I love his look here because he's wearing like this little white banded collared shirt and like jodhpurs and like boots and he looks all hot. Yeah. Um, and he gets real excited. Super and then we excited. get like this crazy, this crazy like trains, planes, and automobiles thing. Where it's, like, Mills. He's on horseback and it's so crazy. He's like on horseback and heard the like letters of her name are bouncing around. Yeah. And then yeah. he's like on a boat and like the letters of her name are bouncing around. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck? And then she's like her her face, there's like just Greta Garbo face, yes. like like floating in the sky. It's very Olin Mills portrait yes. studio. Where it's I don't like know that. Uh, it's just that like portrait studio that would do that thing where you know, it would be like you facing front, but then like a superimposed version of you in profile, you know, or your loved one. Yeah, actually, my parents' wedding photos, Right. I just got them, and they're all superimposed like that, which is really funny looking. But yeah, that's exactly what it is. She's just, like, 
there in the corner, just like looking yeah. down at him as he like makes his way back on this like epic journey to get to his love after all these years. Right. But unfortunately <laughs> for him, right. when he gets to the train station, Ulrich is there to meet him and, and she, he's yeah. with his new wife. Right. Who is Felicitas. Yes. And How their dare first, she? Their, they had their first moment of, it is implied that their first moment of romance also sort of had that whole cigarette lighting thing too. Oh my God. She's got a thing. Yeah. Um, She's like, if you light my cigarette for me, it's on. It's on. And if you're rich, I think like, yeah. I mean, he had said to her something like, well, I'm rich. So if you need anything like straight right. up. And so I think we're supposed to believe that, like, she couldn't wait because she's got this rich man just, like, begging to take care of her. Yeah. How could she not? Loose morals. Yes. What a bitch. Um, <laughs> uh, so then we get the freaking pastor again, who's just, yeah. like, eavesdropping on a private conversation yeah, between yeah. these old pals. And Leo's like, yeah, I can't forget the duel. But, like, Ulrich doesn't know the full scope of that situation. But the pastor does know. The pastor does know about the affair because he's a nosy motherfucker. Well, he saw them meeting in the park, which I guess we didn't mention. But, like, he was there. He saw that he caught them. And this is where the pastor warns Leo, he says, when the devil cannot reach us through the spirit, he creates a woman beautiful beautiful enough to reach us through the flesh asshole I, I, I just shook my head hard fuck that <laughs> <laughs> but Felicitas is gonna try with her flesh cause she's like trying to get him to meet up at the Isle of Friendship right. and he does right she is the devil incarnate obviously who's wearing like the most amazing hooded robe ever totally uh, and she tells him that she's in love but also that uh, he has to go see his friend because it will make his friend happy. Right. Um, so he, that, she's like insisting that he comes around more. Right. Um, despite the she's, complicated situation. Right. She's basically saying, don't do it for me. Do it for your friend. But totally do it for me. Like, it's really not about yeah. her. She's putting on airs about it. She's well, pretending she like she's in love with him. So it's like. How are you not going to be fucking during right. all this? Right. But whatever. Knocking um, boots. Yes. And that's clearly what happened. what's happening. And yet they still are like all palling around together. And there was like a weird like thruple vibe where I was just like, why don't they all? We know that Ulrich and Leo are like. Totally. Very intimate. Have a very intimate yeah. friendship. Like very close physically. Maybe they could want to explore that a little bit more with their mutual love, Felicitas. Like, right. would everybody be cool with that? Yeah. This would be a very different movie in 2021. Sure. But we do get this symbol that is, like, not working out so well for Ulrich because they're, like, all embracing. And he, like, cuts himself on, like, his toasting glass, like, his wine glass. Oh, right. And they, like... They're, like, sipping and, like, gazing into each other's eyes, Leo and Felicitas, and, like, Ulrich's over there, like, bloody, just trying to pass it off. Bloody. It's, like, those little moments, I'm, like, okay, this is, like, 
you don't have to bang us over the head with shit even when you can't speak have people speaking out of their mouths like right this all works right great implied yeah so yeah. much when they're at church they have felicitas like taking the like blessing cup yeah the chalice communion. yeah she like, takes in, the communion yeah and she in like both hands like with the lustiest possible sip like crazy yeah but also she turns it back because um oh. the 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 pastor he well when they do when you do communion they like turn the cup so that your mouth is not where the last person's was and she turns it back so that she can oh, put right. her mouth which is still also where. gross well i mean yeah in this day and age i don't even know she probably wasn't even fucking vaccinated <laughs> oh my god so yeah she's all about putting her mouth where other people's mouths have been but her mouth has already been there anyway because hell yeah because leo drank everywhere leo drank before her so she was like yeah she literally like looks at she looks up with that look just mm-hmm. it's basically like sucking face with that communion cup <laughs> i love it She's such a good, like, seductress. It feels, like, from the depths of her. It doesn't feel, like, put on at all. Not at all. Yeah. Not much acting going on. Or it just comes natural. Or, like, it's, like, channeling something. But, yeah, yeah, then while Ulrich is away, Homegirl comes over, and she's like, why haven't you been here to our house? Like, and he's, like, Leo's, like, because Ulrich's away or whatever. Right. It's like snowing. We get like more weather here. Right. And he's like, he doesn't want to be alone with her to chat. So he's like, let's go out to the snow. But she has like no clothes on, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she finds like a weird building with a fire to go in there. Yeah. And it's like, could this be more enticing? Right. It's too much. Yeah. It's too much for Leo to handle. And then a whole series of events. Yeah, I mean, there's a fire going. It's like, Ugh. you know, talk about mood lighting. Yeah, I mean, it basically creates the conversation that she should leave Ulrich right. and they should start their life together. Right, just run but away. Then, right, run away. Mm-hmm. But, like, she'll be fully disgraced, but I get the impression that he won't be so disgraced that it would be like, right. boys will be be boys right it's like well you know she killed his he he did kill her husband so you know he was man enough to step up and like right so yeah we get felicitas back at her house um she's preparing to leave with like her little um handmaiden and uh but ulrich's out of town and then all of a sudden he shows back up just in the nick of time to like sort of catch her but she like smooths it over and he gives her this diamond bracelet which she's like fondling all uh, gluttonously oh that's um, right that's what like that's what keeps her yeah the, they're like they give us these like little clues that she's like ooh like I can't leave this like wealth right and but Leo arrives anyway after she sort of sends Ulrich her like little puppy dog off to bed and then Leo's there and he begins to choke the faceless, faithless, he calls her, Felicitas, um, until Ulrich, like, bursts back into the room. And it's, like, totally fucking disturbing, um, uh-huh. his behavior. She 
is trying to tell him like they can have an affair but she just like can't stand to leave and be like disgraced in that way right which makes sense for the time of course and she like she doesn't lie she tells Ulrich that Leo broke in and attacked her well I guess the breaking in part he kind of I mean he was let in but he did sort of take over the scene so it's not the lie but it's not the truth and the men decide to duel the next day as you do at the Isle of Friendship Uh uh-huh which is walkable now because the lake is frozen oh sure yes so they can walk right over to it yeah and so then we get like note the full it is an it is a real island yeah I don't think it was I mean I, I know we've been referring to it as the Isle of Friendship but you you would take a boat there Oh, yeah, they took their little boats. They rode right. up when they... So now the meet. lake is frozen, and you yeah, can we just... Yeah, we got gloomy wintertime walk scene. Your, walk your dueling ass right over there. <laughs> Which they do. And they and do. And Felicitas is in bed all grumpy but not doing shit, and Ulrich's brother is like, come on, like you got to go stop this. Ulrich's sister. Oh, what did I call her? His brother? Mother. Brother. Mother or brother? <laughs> Hertha. Her name's Hertha, the sister. That's right. Uh, who obviously knows what's going on. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, we skipped over it, and it's not really super important, but it is, I thought, implied that she and Leo are married, or no? No, are they? I mean, I know the I mom don't think so, was, like, talking... But- about how right. she would like that to happen, but sure. um, I don't think she's like married. you can kiss him intimately. I'm done with it. Yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. Feelings. Uh, right. But Felicitas, after like flailing around, gloriously, angstily, whatever. Right. She does decide to go after them, and she then she comes we get to her senses. Something. Is it sensical? Uh, I don't know. And the men are preparing to shoot, and we get, like, the most amazing end scene where it's, like, Ulrich is, like, I'm going to shoot to kill, but then he starts flashing back. So he has, like, again, that, like, superimposing of, like, Leo's life over, Mm -hmm. like, where the gun is drawn at this man, his friend. Really amazing shot. So amazing, and then from the see, point like, the of view of the barrel of a gun, through the air, like in his mind's eye, it's like obviously right. not actually happening because he hasn't right. shot the gun, and he like says he realized everything that was having happening with Felicitas, like he knows it all without knowing the details, but like she's running this whole time that this is happening, we're like kind of cutting back and forth a bit. Right, I she's mean, running across we, the frozen lake. Yeah, she's running in the frozen lake, which she then, you know, falls into the ice. Um, Crack, splash, full on, and literal glub glub bubbles. Yep, and like, we just like see one little like remnant of like a scarf or a veil or something at the top. Yeah, something floats something up. Occurs. And the two dudes embrace super intimately, yeah. and they felt like. I guess we're supposed to assume that, like, the moment of realization was, like, when she, like, took her last breath, which is so dark. It's like she was this, like, literal devil that, like, once she, like, exited Earth, they both came to their senses and be, like, the the the, men that they were supposed to be all along. Yeah, the the veil had been lifted, you know, like, her veil of darkness had been lifted. Yeah, so they don't have to take ownership of anything that they've done, not the duel, (laughs) not the affair, nothing. I mean, the, those two bubbles 
to just yep. show those two bubbles. And I, I just said, glub, glub. <laughs> glub, glub. All is right in the world. That's this right. Bye bye. Bye bye, Felicitous. Go back to hell. Yes. Literally, like, vanquish. I see hell. By the icy, you know, river the of icy, hell. The icy waters surrounding the Isle of Friendship. Yeah. Because women are the only thing that makes men do bad stuff. Yeah, they're just slabs of evil flesh. Yep. Hot flesh. Hot flesh. They uh, will lick your communion cup. Yep. Don't even forget it. <sighs> suck you dry. Uh-huh. And suck make you, you bust. Kill your best friend. That's right. You fucking succubus go to hell. <laughs> That's right. And that is the end. The end. That's the end of this fucking pretty i mean there's like some shots in here that i have been thinking about ever since i'm like that is cool yeah if i made a movie i would be thinking about the gun with the flashback on either side sure and then girl disappearing into icy lakes of hell right all said like nobody cares either that's the that's sort of it's like you know what i mean it doesn't even end with any sort of like funeral Nothing. No. Well, they don't even know yet, but it's like... No, they don't even know, but... Us as the audience, we're like not even... We're definitely not supposed to care, and... Yeah, well, thank God she's gone. Yeah, and it's like... But they did do a pretty good job of giving a couple of glimpses that made you want... Made you understand, like, the glimmer in her eye was like... She was enjoying the manipulation of these moves more than she was like actually in love with anyone involved. Yeah. They did that to us. So what I took away from this personally on a personal level uh, was, I guess maybe it's not so personal, or I guess it is sort of relating it to personal experience with romance is Mm -hmm. that obviously the idea of romance has been around for way before this movie, but just going back to what I was saying about like how every single one of these movies that we've watched has had these really dramatic romances. It really is sort of like this force that has been put upon us with mm-hmm. these displays of romance. And, you know, of course they're just movies, but movies are very important in our society. I mean, look at streaming. There's just so much information available are obviously obsessed with like the idea of consuming film and television on a crazy scale more than ever 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 and it's like the presentation of like this cisgendered straight romance is something that like i as a person who has like ingested so much of this information my entire life with my sort of obsession with film and television it's like how fucking dramatic can you be you know like how important is it that Mm. like it's so important you know that like you actually considered murdering your fucking friend you know so it's like this reinforcement that like this sort of relationship is so sanctified that we have to like consider this and obtain this level of romance to a degree that you would be like, bitch, we're dueling. Yeah. 
Well, no. it's like the all-consuming nature of love that is like shown in everything. Where like that's what we all have to aspire to. That's what we all have to aspire to have is like a love yeah. that's so consuming. And it's like I know, like from my personal experience, that like when you do glorify that sort of love, like you get lost in it in a way that's like completely unhealthy. Um, yeah. And but like society will continually like praise what what they see of that kind of love like the veneer of it they'll be like oh my god like that's amazing that like y'all are so consumed in this thing like people love it they love to aspire to it they love to like partake in it and but i don't think it's realistic to have it's more realistic to have to aspire to a friendship like ulrich and leo's right like right than it is to like be like I'll do anything for this thing of with this woman that I hardly know. And even if you right. did know her, it's like does this make sense? Does this make your life? Does this enrich your life? Right. And but we yeah, no, I think that we are fed romance in this very specific way where like if it fails to live up right. to that or yeah, we're like trying to the... present it in a way that's like not real either. Right. And then on the other side of it, it's like well, if it's not working for you, you just drowned it in an icy lake. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Makes sense. It's cold. <clears throat> Literally and figuratively. Some cold-blooded yeah, like, shit. She made one wrong move, which was not leaving with him. Right. And then it's like, now she's inconsequential. Yeah. Um, and he can go have this duel and do whatever he needs to do. And his life can be untouched. Because right. she failed to live up to his, like, overblown expectations of love. Maybe she did. Maybe she's meant to be in an open relationship with where Ulrich is, like, you know, her provider. Yeah. And Leo is her side piece. Is that so right? No. Wrong? She's meant to be in an open relationship with the fish. Oh, well, yeah. Now and forever. where she's sleeping now. It's, yeah. No, it is interesting, <laughs> like, how romance-heavy... Like, of course, like, I knew that. I love a romantic movie. Sure. But. I don't, it, actually. That's, not, I, I mean, sure, I can see that. But, like, I personally am, like, gagging on it right now a little bit. I mean, as romance has started to take a backseat in my lifestyle. Sure. Um, I, I both love and hate it. Because it is, like. Yeah. Well, like. If we invested this much time into our other relationships, what like cool things could come from that? It's like right. when you make romance like the centerpiece of your world. And like I do like I see it with other people that I know where they like bend over backwards for like their boyfriends in this way that I know is like an expectation of women that I, I find it grotesque. And it's like, of course, I've done that, you know. But when I see it in other people now, I'm just like, ew, like you're gonna like rush home to like do this thing to make dinner for your boyfriend? Like, get it together. You know what I mean? Like, I just have yeah. these feelings now yeah. that like I definitely was that guy that was like rushing home to make dinner for my husband right. or whatever and like worried about not living up to expectations. But now that I don't do any of that, it's interesting how like your life can sort of open up. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. But yeah, this <sighs> movie did a lot. 
and it, it wasn't a hundred years long, which I appreciate. And I do like that, like the title cards weren't super heavy duty either. It was like a lot was yeah. communicated yeah, non-verbally. It, it was, I would say probably the most naturalistic. Totally. Of any of the romances. Right. Especially, especially with all the dueling. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That scene, that silhouette scene too. It's like they did a yeah. lot of very, they didn't like follow the same template and just like do the thing over and over again. They like, it was very varied. Yeah, it was great. And also another use of that ellipsis in editing where it happened, but you didn't know who was dead. Right. They didn't Which give feels you all so the information. Right. They didn't give you all the information up front. Yeah. It was saved for a few scenes later or just a scene later. Yeah. They like trusted yeah. us to get it that we weren't yeah. idiots, which is nice. Yes. Very nice. So let's go art house. Yeah. Let's go let's mad. Let's go to Japan. Yeah. To the, page, about the page of Madness, which was directed by last name Kinogasa. Okay. Released in September of 26 in Japan. Lost for 45 years. Kinogasa went on to direct over 120 films, but his early work was all thought to have been lost. 120? Um, Holy shit. Yeah. And written by a man who went on to win, I believe, the Nobel Prize? Oh, yeah. I read a little bit about him. Yeah. Uh, and also part of a movement in Japan called Shinkakaku, which was a literary movement, which basically was all about turning inward and exploring what was going on inside of a human rather than what is going on elementally outside of them, which this movie has all of those things. So this movie is kind it's very fragmented also the original the original version was like 20 minutes longer oh wow and so that when it was re-released in 1971 or 74 i don't know they're very variable dates it's been retooled by the director so that's amazing you know he actually got to rework his own film based on what was left and what was repairable, but also was able to eliminate things that he was not interested in having anyway. Like there are no title cards in this movie, which I really, really liked. Um, apparently, originally there were title cards and there was also in Japan during the silent film era, a character that would stand on the side of the screen and sort of present and loosely narrate live and that was eliminated by the time 1971 rolled around and Kinugasa was definitely interested in this becoming more of an art house film because that was actually what was happening more in the 70s and okay. I don't even think so he was paying house. attention and he was like I have he was paying that attention was, that makes sense with this yes and so he redesigned it to be an art house film uh, but I don't think that what I feel like it would have, I mean, what do I know? I wasn't around, but I feel like it would have felt the same either way. 
But this is really just a simple story of a man who takes a custodial position in a institution to be close to his interred wife who may have lost her child. Right. There's lots of stuff to have to like suss out in this one because of the lack of title cards. But starts out very watery. There's lots of rain. There's lots of storminess. There's a woman dancing in a very Elita of Mars meets Mothra kind mm. of vibe. Um, there's a whole dance sequence in Mothra that's pretty amazing. And she reminded me of seen. Mothra. I um, love the dancing here. The dancing here is great. And we are then in the asylum. She turns into a shadow with bars over her. And then she is a woman in a cell who basically spins and twirls and dances throughout the entire film. Yeah, it's Which like at first sort it's of like is like produced like with her like in a costume and there's a right. painted sets and there's like this spinning like watermelon looking orb yeah, behind her. Very like but then it's like kind of stripped looking. down like it's fantasy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're like it's like that is we're inside of this woman's brain and this is what she is thinking she is looking like. But she's yeah. not she's dancing her feet bloody in her yeah. cell, which is adjacent to the wife who spends a lot of time on the ground. And yeah, the husband is there to watch over her and eventually he tries to help her escape, which she refuses, which I think was sort of to imply that like it was awful there, but she, what is she gonna could do? not face going outside of that world. It was too scary for her out in the real world. So she was going to stay in the institution. This movie also was sort of credited as being like a little bit more realistic. Well, not a little bit more, like probably a lot more realistic than what had been presented prior to the sort of depiction of like an insane asylum in which the staff was pretty normal. Like you watch like the, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and it's like mm. the doctors, the doctor in that movie is like totally mad, you know, like he's, right. he's like an evil figure, uh, but the doctors in this are, they look like doctors and the nurses look like nurses. Right. So it's more of like a, it's a less fictionalized view of insanity. Yeah. It felt like a juxtaposition of like manic and like mundane for sure. That was like very unsettling. And it's like, this is called a horror movie. And like when I saw that, I was like, uh oh, and I right. like sort of like scrubbed through the YouTube video to see like because I was like okay I'll watch this like first thing in the morning but I like scrubbed through to see and like some of the visuals were disturbing but like to actually watch it it's much more sad than scary um, right it's like very evocative like you're like feeling what it would maybe be like to be in like to be treated for a mental illness in the 1920s right sort of like left you know and these basically right. you're in a cell Right. Um, it's disturbing, but it's not horror. It's not horror, no. It does not. There's nothing about it that, uh, I mean, it's unnerving in concept, but to watch it is not unnerving. Right. And there are these, like, very beautiful elements. It's like when they're sh at the beginning of the movie, when they're showing, like, fire and water and dancing, it reminds me a bit of, like, some of, like, 
collage film. There are even elements where there's like cutouts in the sky that I'm like, how do you even like yeah. in 1926, how were they achieving that effect where it's like, it's yeah. these small details that are so visually exciting, but like don't yeah. have a huge payoff as far as like story structure. Though there's like the story, to be honest, like I love this movie so much. And then when I was maybe like, three quarters of the way through, I like looked up like, okay, what is, what am I supposed to be getting from this? Because like right. a lot of the plot I did not get, but I got all of the feelings of it. I just yeah, didn't totally. necessarily know that like he was fantasizing about killing the doctor. Like I didn't, that the, right. um, that the husband was fantasizing about killing the doctor. Like I didn't know that that, yeah. and there is like, I think there is supposed to be a bit of a blurred line between like fantasy. Like I could almost read him like the, them escaping as like, his fantasy as well, like not right. a reality-based thing, but I it was hard. Yeah, I didn't realize what the relationship between the two of them was. Yeah, yeah, it was And his daughter also shows up as well. Yeah. So there's a lot also going on narratively that I, that you would have to read about. I mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe not, but or not I also care don't about know. plot and care more about feeling because I think he did a great right. job with feeling and with yes. like symbolic imagery like there were bars everywhere like even when they were like showing like scenes because we're not in the um like mental institution the entire time but like there would be like bars on like architecture bars on like the um, bench would be barred and there would be like a child behind the bench like looking through and it's like everything was barred in this way that was like oh man like what is a prison and what isn't a prison like yeah, you can be trapped I mean, in your own life in very interesting ways. It does start out in this very chaotic way, and then it eventually we get into the asylum, and we are sort of introduced to a few characters. Well, the dancing woman and mm-hmm. the wife and the the husband. Even without knowing that information, it's like even you didn't know like who they were that they were husband and wife, like. He just seemed like a man who was very concerned about this woman. That was sure. e- that was evident. So introduced to them and, you know, we're still sort of in this like sort of in between reality, you know, it's like you're sort of confronted with all of this like overlapped, crazy thunderstorm, dancing lady kind of stuff happening. Then you sort of go into like a little bit more of a stable world where you're in the insane asylum which has like the the corridor of it has a very german expressionist feeling to it it's very angular it's very uh shadowed but yeah um it was it seemed more like an actual set whereas in german expressionism they would have built that and made it way way more obscure but then you get into a position where we're eventually like outside on the grounds of the institution so then we're in a place where we're actually like okay now we are actually in reality so it takes this sort of like journey this slow sort of journey until you're finally at this moment where it's like there's a bench there's some grass we're outside there's some sunshine these patients are here these doctors are here these nurses are here and it sort of like floats around in between those three worlds, like throughout the film. Yeah. And like the outside is like bright and 
you know, flowers and yeah. like it has texture. Like the interior is like much more brutal, but there is like there's a through line in aesthetics where like these symbols are like placed around like with the bars it like I just kept feeling those bars like as yeah. so imposing it's like there were parts of the escape. interior were painted silver oh in order to reflect more light cool I would yeah. have loved to see like what those sets look like yeah especially the one where the dancing lady is in because like oh, opening yeah. in like with her dancing on that with that orb spinning I was like whoa yeah. like the hardest film to screenshot, but like literally you can't get a bad screenshot because like literally like this whole film, every frame looks like a piece of art, like something you'd yeah. want to hang in your on your wall. Yeah. Like it's so dense and and beautiful, even when it is like brutal. I think my favorite moment was him trying to help her escape. Mm. I liked the dog that was howling oh, as yeah. a metaphor for what was wrong outside yeah what was that trying to tell us it's like it is this place is horrible and it's its way but like outside is scary too you know and like the way we treat mental illness i'm sure especially at the time but it does seem like a hefty one to tackle like that's a hard topic especially like with a silent film too in a silent film in 1926 yeah. Like, who was thinking about mental health? No one. It was all like, no oh, one. she's crazy. <clears throat> Hysterical. Right. I mean, I don't know what the practices were then in Japan, but in the U.S., probably in Europe as well, it was thought that insanity was a physical manifestation that was somewhere inside of your body. Right. They'd, like, pull your teeth out and shock you and hysterectomy nothing good yeah hysterectomy yeah yeah i'm like kind of was even when i when you brought this movie up and said like and i looked up what it was about i was like whoa like this does seem like something that would have happened in the 70s which i mean that's when it was released so it's like dude was like way 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 ahead of its time because it is like there's an empathy to this movie it's not like we're seeing a lot of like odd scenes with like um, patients raving you know mm-hmm. but it, it's not I don't know like there's not like that feeling of like judgment to it no yeah really and truly no like I, I feel like for it to be part of this movement which is about diving into the human psyche for this to be the choice of film is interesting you know you could have done something it could have been a romance in which they dive in and explore the brain in that way. You know, it's like it could have been flowery and it was mm-hmm. not flowery. And no. I suppose that's sort of what would have made it a horror film in 1926 because I don't think anybody was going to the movies to have a good time watching people being manic. Oh, right. So this I think it's just an interesting night, uh, romp. Yeah, totally. By any means. And you're not you going to get to catch somebody passionately making out like Greta and John exactly. <laughs> from our last film. And we're not going to talk about these two actors in a fan magazine. No. It's much, has more depth than 
right. that, but it's also it's not as accessible. Right. And it's also the first movie that we've watched that is what I've just been saying is like something that is much more internal. Yeah. You know, it's like it's things that are happening inside of everyone, you know, at any yeah. given point, whereas everything else that we've seen has been about those people. You know, yes. it's like this is about those characters. We are like we are removed from them, but a page of madness is about us. Yeah, this movie is not about plot. This is about, you know, perception. Right. And it is like I find, you know, once we get into like more art house film, which I think of as like the sixties, but I'm right. sure we'll find other like unsung gems. It's like when you're not when you're tackling something internal, the visual, like the, it becomes so reliant on like visuals, but like in a new way, which I really like, which looks like art, you know? It doesn't right. look, it's like visual heavy instead of like people heavy. Like you're manipulating, like there's a lot, like I wonder like to edit this movie, what like that entailed, because there's right. so much layering and so much, yeah, like cutting. It's like, you can't just like let a scene live. like. I was impressed with Flesh and the Devil, like having like the superimposing of like figures like around a gun to like show him flashing back. Right. Um, this is like, I mean, within like a couple of seconds, you've just gone through like a million visuals. Like it's just like so dense. Like the editing right. had to be insanely tedious, I would think. Yeah. I, there's, I, it feels like a trans, a, a transitional moment. One of my favorite moments was when there are people who, they're sort of walking not in like necessarily a straight line but they're all sort of walking from one side of the screen to the other and I think it's a rear projection mm. of the like more people walking from one side of the screen to the other um, but the effect of it is that it looks like they are it looks like they're behind like a thin textured fabric. Oh yes. Yeah. Like a crazy veil. It's almost like that is the moment where we're going from inside to outside. And it's almost like that's the moment in which we are sort of like lifting a veil to yeah. reveal that like, we're not just in some crazy asylum. We're actually we're actually at an institution you know right we're like yeah. at a place where people are being held and you know i guess possibly helped um, right treated in some way right because after that we're like on the grounds we're seeing that it is an actual real place that was my yeah favorite visual moment i think it was just nicely textured and probably if there were any sort of moment that felt beautiful and serene to me, I guess I would choose that. And then at the end, there is a really oh nice moment, which is also transitional into kind of like not a very nice moment. But there's just those empty streets. Mm. Those empty yeah. moments, those like flowers, those like fields of flowers and like yeah. the architecture. And they're just like these sort of like single shots, sort of uh, stagnant single shots 
Um, it's just like another moment of like quiet. Yeah, they gave a, us some relief. They like knew to yeah, do that, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. But then we do end up that like the most poignant of moments, and I feel like it it's super layered when they like he goes and just like gives gives them masks of like happy faces painted yes. on them, right? And it's like okay, we can't fix this, but like if we can just like make it look better, then maybe I'll feel better type of moment that I was like whoa like that is what we still do like the more things change the more (laughs) things stay the same I'm just like yo like this movie about like delving into like the psyche it's like yep but like this is what we actually do like we don't want to like look at this we just want to for it to be covered up in a way that makes us comfortable yeah we never take our own best advice no it's like we can't fix we don't we're not interested in fixing core issues nope and don't have that many tools to do it i mean i'm sure now we have you know i'm sure a mental institution is a much more equipped sort of place with like the knowledge of 2021 but i think like mental health in general is you know a lot of band-aids and bad advice yeah i mean i have sort of even thought about what is a mental institution now do institutions exist still i mean they do in some capacity but not in the way that they were in the 70s well they were horribly defunded in the 70s which created a whole mess right i mean they just closed all of them down yeah released everybody out into the wild which created like a big homeless population totally and it's like now it's like you know for whatever to take care of my mental health i have like a slew of things that i do some of which you know are experimental to me in particular but it is this like constant conversation of like what are you doing to like take care of your psyche and it is we all know that it's like so i mean most of us know that it's so such a delicate balance yeah yeah. That's not even in a mental institution. But I do think that, like, that, ugh, <laughs> right. that, like, the world visual is a mental of institution. The happy masks on these, you know, people that are Down, struggling, it's like, that is group of people what just we prefer. Sitting there. Yeah. They're not really even accepting them. No. They're not, they're not helping put them on. They're, no. they're just being put on them. Yeah. No, it's not yeah. like, I want to do this for you. It's like, I need to do this. Yeah. Correct. But this movie, fucking legit. I've already been, like, telling people about it. I'm like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I did not find either of the films this week at Casa Video. Oh, no. I watched them fine. both on YouTube. I did as well. I like this phase of uh, this project because it's like everything's out of copyright, so it's so fucking easy. Though I think I did have to rent Flesh of the Devil. MGM must have a good grip on that. I was able to find it for free, I think, on Daily Motion. Pretty sure on Daily Motion, yeah. I paid $1 for it or something, maybe two. I mean, it's worth it. Oh, yeah, it was. And the visuals that will be up on our Instagram release underscore pod. Correct. Will be fucking amazing. Release underscore pod. I keep waiting for it to blow up. Yeah. Hurry up, Wait. man. 
We're we're doing it. Um, yeah. Do you have anything about either of these films, or should we talk a little bit about what we've been watching besides these 1926 gems? Besides these 1926 gems, and I posted about it, I did watch Nikita. Oh, okay. Which was definitely the antithesis of what what I sort of bemoaned as far as romance goes. I loved mm-hmm. the way that she was presented as a woman. Also... Anna, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Anna Pollard. That's what we'll go with. Okay, Um, I'll buy it. Just an amazing actress. Just like really embodied this really fucked up character. And it's kind of a Pygmalion tale where she's sort of like taken and groomed to be an assassin. She's like a street junkie. And Mm -hmm. um, it is not overly romanticized. And just the way she plays the character is so sad she really embodies this person and makes her into a real live person who is not necessarily a woman you know i don't think she played this character as any gender it didn't feel like that to me it didn't make me think this is what women go through it made me think this is what people go through you know there's a transformation probably more physical than anything And she sort of remains that insecure street junkie throughout the whole thing. And it is really incredibly shot. Um, Who directed it? Luc Besson. He did um, The Fifth Element as well. Yeah. And He's cool. He's got a good eye. Yeah, for sure. And can't remember the cinematographer. I wrote it down, but I also posted about it. But just really, really, really well shot and just a really, really well-made movie. And I remember when it came out, I was very interested in seeing it. And of course, I saw it shortly after it came out when I was a young teen. But certainly I feel like didn't. I've seen parts, but I, I don't think I have sit down, uh, sat down and watched it. Before. Yeah, I totally, I've, I very much recommend it. And I think that you would be very into it. Cool. I, of course, didn't get it then and i thought it was slow and weird and foreign yeah then but certainly a great great film yeah i'm gonna check it i watched something wild oh you did yes yeah love love it great it's so weird it is such a weird movie so it's an action comedy action comedy it's like a weird uh i guess there's romance she kidnaps uh so melanie griffith kidnaps jeff daniels Uh essentially i mean he has like cuffs on she's like doing stuff he's like adamantly opposed to but then he sort of like is going with some of it because he's like this yuppie dude that's like along for the ride with this like wild lady yeah Um, she's wearing these crazy outfits and then she just like chops her own hair off mid movie. <laughs> uh-huh. And she is so charismatic. I saw that someone like reviewed it and said, like, I normally don't like Melanie Griffith. I was like, excuse me? What don't I you know. like? I know. Like I she's mean, just like dripping with charisma. I feel like she could do yeah. anything. I mean, we barely got to know Melanie Griffith. She became a star for a minute, working girl. Working girl, amazing. But right. also she's in First Wives Club. <laughs> Which I love. I don't remember. 
Oh no, that's Goldie Hawn. Oh my god, I'm like doing oh, terrible okay. things right now. I was right thinking now. maybe Melanie Griffith was a side character. Or Shit, something, I but. do get them confused sometimes. Even though Goldie Hawn is like much more revered, I feel than a Melanie Griffith. Yeah, it's true. But they both hold a place in my heart. Right. But they do have a similar sensibility, do they not? I mean, they probably sold Melanie Griffith. It was probably sold as like the second coming of uh, Goldie Hawn, too, in a way. Well, Melanie Griffith is also Tippi Hedren's daughter. Right. So she comes from. Yeah. She's she's got a lineage. Yeah. And Goldie well, Hawn great. is just Goldie Hawn. You know. Yeah, Goldie Hawn is laughing, bonkers, perfect. Yes, totally. Yeah. It's great. Jonathan Demme has, like, the weirdest uh, filmography of all time. But this is a hit. This is a super hit. And, like, I like Jeff Daniels, too. And I think people love this movie. It's so up my alley. John Waters has, like, a little cameo. Um, Oh, really? Yes. He's, like, a car salesman looking all cute and perfect and just like John Waters. Maybe dialed back a little bit for him. Well, Um, he as an actor is aware of himself you know yeah oh he plays yeah. into like the things people love at this point like he's a sure. little caricature right. in a way that like i totally appreciate and why not put it on but like at this point he's like he's not there yet he's just like fun and funny right um no this movie fucking rocks i would say love it watch it, it is one of those ones that i have always thought that i would eventually watch and i have seen a few little bits and pieces. Oh, you'll freaking love it. It is so up yeah. your alley. Oh, I'm sure. It sounds like Who's That Girl? What is the that? The Madonna vehicle. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. In which Who she's directed the that? wild one. Oh, I don't know, but I'm it's a screwball it comedy. And um, I put it on for my niece and nephew when they were over here, just in the background, just for fun. They didn't really watch it. But I don't care if they watch it or not. I just want them to be around things that aren't cartoons necessarily. You know who directed? Yeah, I love that. I totally back that. And I think being around kids, being around weird shit, that's yeah. enough. Like, who wants? Like, as a kid, I did not have that kind of attention span. But it's like just have the thing around is perfect. Right. But so the director of Who's That Girl has a very fairly short filmography. Who's That Girl was his third movie. He also okay. directed Fear, which we, you and I recently talked about, because that was like a <laughs> wow, sexual okay. awakening for me, even wow. though it's so fucked up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Doghead. And then he did the two sequels to Fifty Shades of Grey. Wow. And about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine other movies. So, like, those are his movies. Who's That Girl, Fear, uh-huh. Fifty Shades of Grey sequels, and, like, nine other films. And Who's That Girl was, like panned and madonna's um performance in it was panned and it's like mean to her though and i like her as an actress uh, yeah it's like dude she's fine she's like you know it's like she's she's doing perfectly fine to like as compared to whatever else was happening in the 80s you know what i mean it's not like like she's you know the yeah film yeah there's a whole scene in that movie where she's at this guy's apartment getting guns and she's in this room full of guns and this guy is a gun fanatic and he's 
got like those googly eyes and he's talking about guns, guns, guns. Just crazy moment where Madonna is just surrounded by all these guns and she's handling guns and mm. it's interesting. You need the screenshots of that is what you need. That's what I need. Also, I'm like Madonna's pretty into guns. In real life? I mean, she uses them a lot. She oh, yeah. like images of them in her concerts. There's oh, one kind of weird, huh? Performance of something on one of her more recent tours where she's like actually has a fake gun on stage and is like shooting it. Yeah. Throughout yeah, the performance. Yeah, she does like it's to crazy. like spin a pistol around and shit like that too. Yeah, what was she that really like does. era where she was kind of a cowboy? Later? Oh, 2000? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. later that I'm talking about. I mean, more current, I would say. Mm. Yeah, like, so she's been into it. Yeah, she's into guns. Shoot it up. Maybe it was Who's That Girl that turned her. Yeah. She's like, this is pretty sexy. I mean, they yeah. can be so phallic. I get like, yeah. she's pretty literal maybe, with the, you know, I sexuality. Mean, uh, I do believe that there's a story that Sean Penn held a gun to her head. Oh, I mean, he tied her to a chair and beat the shit out of her. I'm yeah. sure. That so. Could. And they're still friends, apparently. Yeah, well, you know. Water under the bridge. <laughs> I guess for Madonna, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. I don't know what her deal is. She's baffling and yeah. mesmerizing. So, Caroline. So this was release. What? Caroline at womanhood. Oh, that's me. I'm at womanhood. And Paul yeah. is at you don't want to go in there on Instagram. Yeah. And we're Caroline and Paul, and this is our podcast. Yeah, it's called release. Yeah. It's called release. Uh, <laughs> see you for 1927. All right. Cool. All right. Love you. Bye. Smell ya.